Hey, all you Theosciples! I'm Michael. And I'm Brendan from Finding Christ in Cinema. You are listening to the Theonauts Podcast with your hosts, David and Jeremiah. Right here at gctnetwork.com. Your Great Commission Transmission. It's the Theonauts. Number 144. The one where David randomly sells everything that he has and buys a field in Guam. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you Theo Measures of Meal out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are... The The Theonites! What's up, man? Not much. How you been? Oh, pretty good, man. Speaking of the mic, David. Speaking of the mic. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to read my computer. I know. It's kind of hard. It's like, turn my head. Reposition Mm. yourself there. So, how you been? Good, man. So, okay, I got to share my little miracle today. Yes, I, I, I've i been waiting for you to tell our viewers this, okay. our listeners this. Okay, so uh, I don't think I've ever talked about this on the show before, but I have a little bit of a heart condition. It is... Ah! Sorry, I didn't mean to scare you there. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to have to give so me mouth I to mouth. Shouldn't so I shouldn't invite you to Six Flags this year. <laughs> Oh, I always like. Hey, is this working? No. I always um, <laughs> invite danger, so it's all right. I, I laugh in the face of danger. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, so I got this little uh, heart deal. It's like a, a congenital heart thing. So I've had it since birth. Right. Uh, found it when I was in high school playing sports. Went to physical heart murmur. You know, mm-hmm. and that's just you got a heart murmur. Okay. Well, everybody in the world has a heart murmur. Right. Well. Um, Basically, what mine is is a bicuspid aortic valve. Stop so cussing. That's, that's right. So the the valve that comes into your heart uh-huh. on the top, uh-huh. you know, it's got like uh, three little flaps that yeah. open and close, let the blood in and out. Right. Okay. Um, mine, two of those flaps are fused together, calcified like together. Huh. So instead of three opening, I have basically two opening together and one. So it kind of goes at an angle and it's it doesn't let enough blood, blood through, through at each time. Okay. And so so what it does is it, then when it closes, it squirts a little extra out, like when you like a water hose, you know, you stick your thumb over the entrance of the water hose. Gotcha. And, and so anyway, that basically just there's less blood going into the heart and uh, there's also this extra squirt of pressure. So over the years what happens is the heart has to work harder to compensate for right. this. And so uh, as you get older, the heart starts to weaken and starts to expand because it can't really, the muscle's not strong anymore. Mm-hmm. And if the, and if your heart gets too big, well, then you're in all kinds of trouble. Right. So uh, basically what where I'm at is they told me when I was a kid, you know, by the time you're 30, you're going to need to have this fixed. Then whenever I was 30... Uh, the doctors were saying, well, by the time you're 50, you'll probably need to have this fixed or before. And uh, so anyway, it just keeps – and it hasn't really changed much. Right. And uh, so every year 
they go, they do this echocardiogram, they look at it, and they say, hey, it's, uh, it's you know, you're dilated a little bit more, but it's not enough to be scared about, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, so they just go check it out every year. Well, it's been a year and a half, and I've just been putting it off. Right. And so I went today to have this echocardiogram, and whenever I whenever I get in there with the, with the doctor, and this is like a a really big surgeon in Dallas that I go to, he says uh, he's like, man, I can't even really explain this, but your valve is leaking less than it was last year. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. how does that happen? <laughs> like because this is a congenital right. problem, yeah. right? And it's it'll only get worse. Right, like, it doesn't go away. It, this is not the type of thing that gets better. Right, like it's been. They've told me since I was a kid, it's inevitable. Right, this is you're going to have to get this replaced. So, um, <clears throat> so anyway, the guy's like, yeah. He says, I can't really explain why it happened, but this is what happened. And he pulls up and he shows me on the echocardiogram between last year and this year. And he was like, your fused uh, bicuspid valve is tearing along the seam where it's supposed to be separated. So what's, so what's happening is it's like separating. So I'm getting a more normal flow. Blood flow, yeah. And he was like, this doesn't happen. This is not a normal doesn't line thing. Up. Yeah. And uh, he says, but... You're no longer, you, you know, they've been ranking me as a severe leak for years now. And uh, now he says, I, I'd move, I'd call it a, a moderate or a strong moderate. Wow. Leak. And uh, wow. So, and yeah, every time I go to a new cardiologist, every, my whole life, it's been, oh my gosh, you're going to have to have this fixed in the next year. Like it was always this big thing. Right. And, and then I'd always have to tell them, no, it's, you know, it, it's been stable. And so this was like the first time it's ever been right the opposite, where it's gone a different direction. And uh, wow. so anyway, he listened to it, and he was like, even the murmur that you hear, he's like, the murmur had been rated a, a five out of six on the whatever scale they measured that on. Murmur scale? Yeah, the murmur scale. Is. <laughs> anyway, they downgraded it from a, a, a five out of six to a one out of six. Wow. <laughs> So that's significantly better. Yeah. Like, so, it's no small thing. Right. And I was like, well, um, how do you, like, what do you want me to do? I mean, just keep on keeping on doing what I'm doing, exercising and stuff. And he was like, yeah. He's like, keep on praying because you're obviously doing that. <laughs> and that was his exact words. Wow. So- <laughs> wow. Well, God's good, amen? Yeah. And so, I mean, the only thing that I can, I can think is, you know, God's got plans. So... It's keeping me around a little longer, I guess. Yeah, but that's how awesome. awesome. I was praise the Lord. Well, I'm glad you're going to stay that. around a little longer because Theonauts would get a little yeah, lonesome. I'll probably die in a car wreck tomorrow. Hey, hey, <laughs> where's some wood? <laughs> Dad gum. <laughs> I told you, I laugh in the face of danger. Yeah, but your friends don't, mm. especially your best friend over yeah. here. Don't do that. Don't say that. I'll try not to. All right, anyways. <laughs> so Don't I, go to Dallas tomorrow. <laughs> so how was your week, man? It was good. It was good. <laughs> it's been kind of just slow kicking off, you know, just same old, same old. Yeah. We're like in... <clears throat> all right, so there are certain times of the year for, years for teachers that are just hunkered down and get her done. And so I'm in 
that period right now, which is between really between August and Christmas break. Yeah. Is a hunker down, get her done type of time. Cause you don't have any breaks or anything in between and it's hardcore just trying to get kids to learn. And so, you know, it's been fun. We're uh, walking through James with my older grades. Yeah. And that's yeah. been really neat. God's really shown me some eye-opening things. Uh, I've really never taught through James before. That's what we should have done the, the Theonauts over. No. Yeah, that, you had a really good message. Did you like that? that? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I did James chapter 1. I preached on Sunday. We had Seeker and Servant. Oh, They were man. here, and that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, they dude, didn't have time to do the show, but we're going to we're gonna Skype them in. Let me tell you. We're going to get them on the show. I have never been so impressed with the heart, the servant heart of a band other than Rich Mullins. Mm-hmm. These guys have that. Yeah. And so it was really neat to see firsthand, and I just I wanted to pack up all my stuff and follow them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And be like, <laughs> I'm going to be your groupie from now on because you guys are epically yeah. following Jesus. They're talented. Yes. They're they like um, just giving everything to, to Christ. It's so amazing. Like, they're, we tried to, to give them, or they tried to give us the, the money from their merch table. Right. And we were like, no, you guys need to keep that. And, right. uh, you know, he didn't really argue much about it, but then he comes back later. And he was like, look, I can't take this. Like, this is our vow to God. Right. And we would be not true to our, who we are if right. we took this. And so they gave us that money as well. And then we've been talking about getting a keyboard for the church to, yeah, for oh. David to be playing for a while. And they have a really, it was it's an Elisa's. Yeah. It's a nice keyboard. Weighted keys. Yeah, weighted keys. Beautiful. And uh, he's like, I'm going to leave that here with you guys. You know, can you use a keyboard to you? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just... You're like, we, we've been talking about this. It's so weird that God's... Not weird. It's just a God thing. Yeah. And so they're obviously following Christ. If you want to listen to them, check out Seeker and Servant. They're really one of the best fans Modern worship yeah, out there, in the indie worship. It's it's, it's not CCM music, no. But it's it's uh, it is really beautiful music though, and it's powerful and God honoring. And the words just are what do it for me. I, mm-hmm. I love them. Simple so. but to the point, like effective words, kind of like Psalms. Mm, yeah. yeah, you know that's what I would I would rate them as. Really yeah, they're like stuff. little prayers, right? Stuff. Good it's stuff. Really good stuff. Whew. So, All right. Well, we want to jump into this topic. Yeah, I'm very interested in seeing how we go. Okay. What spurned this on, this idea? We'd been talking about this for a while. The So we're going to do, the topic is called the kingdom parables, right? Yeah. Um, we're basically going to walk through Matthew 13 and look at the different kingdom parables because this is a very, it's a powerful chapter of scripture. And I've, I thought that we had done this before and we talked about some of them before. We've definitely, I've definitely talked about some of these parables on the show before, right? but but probably not in the complete context and succession. Yeah. Yeah. Of this entire, um, entire chapter it's is very interesting. So before we get into the parables themselves, let's set up the stage of what's going on. Yes. Okay, so Jesus is moving through his ministry. Mm-hmm. 
up until chapter... Okay, he's done... Okay, we're in Matthew, right? Right. So in Matthew, he's already given sermons. He's He's been very straightforward, very to the point. Um, he get We get to chapter 12, and he gets accused by the Pharisees <laughs> of... Uh, of casting out demons in the name <laughs> of, of Satan. Satan. <laughs> right. And it's almost like it's the last straw for Jesus. He's like, you know what? There's a lot of sins that, w- that are going to get forgiven, but th- you're going too far. Right. Like the whole blaspheming the Holy Spirit, and this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And I, oh, yeah. And, and so it's like immediately um, after that, Jesus completely changes his teaching style. Right. Like all of a sudden, he goes from being, you've heard it said, don't the, murder. I say to you. I say to you, don't hate your brother. I mean, he that type of teaching. Right. To all of a sudden, now he's going to talk in what the Bible refers to as parables. Parables. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. And so... Some would say that he's he's coding these, and actually Jesus says he comes out and says, you know, I speak in parables to hide right. the truth from those who are not willing to hear the truth to begin with. Yeah, right? so like, for example, growing up, I'd always heard people from the pulpit and et cetera, et cetera, saying, Jesus told these little stories to help the farmers and the fishers to understand <laughs> better. Like he was making metaphor for them, but... That doesn't make any sense. In fact, you can read this chapter and you hear everybody's confusion. They're like, all of a sudden, he went, he went from talking straightforward to talking in riddles. Right. And that's really what these parables are. They're riddles. And, uh, of course, a couple of them get explained. Jesus pulls the, the, the disciples aside right. and explains a couple of them. I think one of the most, the wackiest things in this chapter is uh, down here near the end, um, where is it? See, says, um, verse 51 of chapter 13, Jesus says, have you understood all these things? And they said to him, yep. <laughs> and he said, therefore, every scribe who has been trained, so he just moves forward. Yep. And he's like, okay, well, what were these guys thinking? Surely they didn't understand all of this. They didn't want to look stupid. <laughs> they didn't even understand the, the parable right. of the sower, which is the first one. Right. Like he, like they came to him and were like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And he had to explain it. How in the world could they understand these others right. that are very cryptic? Right. So, um, so unfortunately, there's a lot of interpretation that gets messed up yeah. in these things. Because, And again... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a very hard thing. So we're not bashing anybody that may interpret these things a bit out of what we think is the correct oh, interpretation. Because we're definitely going to be interpreting some of these outside of the box, <laughs> right? Like this is not this is not going to be your your Thayer's commentary or Thompson's <laughs> chain reference Bible. This like, is not Matthew Henry, <laughs> right? We're not going to be we're not going to be on the page right. with those guys, right? Um, because to me, I think people simple oversimplify these, and there's a lot that people aren't looking some serious as far man. as customs, and there's there's some interesting things in this. Right. Um, let's see. Well, there's nothing I was going to mention. Oh, oh, the fact that these are kingdom parables. So 
like all these parables have something in common. One, there's seven of them, mm-hmm. and they, which is an important number, number of completion, and it is a. Um, they are about. They're all about the kingdom of heaven, and we've talked about right. the kingdom and what that means, right, on the show before. So basically, we're talking about the um, the church, the bride of Christ. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, so these are all parables that are going to pertain to the church. Okay. Now, I've got tons of notes here. I don't know if we want to do all this, but... Yes, we do. <laughs> okay, no, well, we'll, well, we'll do some of it. Anyway, <laughs> I guess. Okay, so uh, one of the things that we'll b- bounce back and forth on is uh, in the book of the Revelation, chapter 2, chapter 3, yes. are letters that Jesus wrote to... The seven churches. Seven churches of Asia. Yes. Now, I do believe that that's literal. There mm-hmm. were seven churches that were physically addressed. Yeah, I don't think that they... To me, there's no argument that those were literal. But Right. But at the same time, there's signs and symbols and all this stuff as right. well. And, oh, of course, you've got people that will... Dispensationalists will say each one of those represents a church age. age. Yeah. And you can successfully map it that way. I mean, mm-hmm. you can look at the the time frames and put them on in there. But, right. So one of the things that I just like to, like to to do is since the kingdom parables are about the church, and we have these seven letters to churches, there could be some correlation there. The number right. seven's the same. The uh, uh, there's they're both about church and they're both about performance of of church of what's happening inside those churches right and uh, so they almost there not all of them map well but there are some that actually map pretty well some to, serious correlations right to the kingdom parables. to the kingdom parables and yes. so we'll bring out some of that information cool uh, too so um, we talked about the purpose of parables a little let's go ahead and just jump into it. Okay. Um, do you want to look at uh, the first parable? The first one? Which sure. Which is the parable of the sower. All right. Uh, it is beginning in verse 3 and goes through verse 9. Again, by the way, um, I think it's it's fitting that chapter 13 begins with that same day. Mm-hmm. So this is the same day that Jesus is, has cast out the demon and went yeah, all up on the uh, the Pharisees talking about the sign of Jonah, which is what they're going to receive, and all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, he's probably frustrated at this point. Oh yeah, and he goes and he sits beside the sea. All right, so verse thir- or chapter thirteen, verse one. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered around him, so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood at on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, "A sower went out to sow." And as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them out. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. I love that little line at yeah, the end. Yeah, that's, that's always... Which is another thing. It's just another one of the reasons why I built this connection. I say, I, me and some friends uh-huh. did this little connection between the Kingdom Parables and the Revelation uh, 
letters because the letters to the churches all end with he who he has, has ears, ears to hear, let, let him, him hear. hear. It's, yep. So it's kind of like there there is some correlations. That are sure. Good. So uh, first off, immediately after this, the disciples go, "What are you talking about?" They pull him aside, like, "What are you doing?" Right. And he has to try. To, he has to explain this parable to them. Uh, so that's a benefit for us in that. First off, we don't have to interpret this one. Right. ourselves he did he does it for us exactly and gives us a clear a clear understanding as to what each one of these things is means and of course this is about the hearts of the people in church right. in the kingdom and how some of them will receive the word and take it and some of them will receive it and uh, they're kind of weak and they kind of dry up and they blow away and you got some that you know they they take it as well but then the cares of the world get in there and right. start you know so and then you got the ones where the the birds come and they and they take them draw away. them off now one of the things i want to mention that's going to be important going into our as we try to interpret the others the best way to interpret the bible is with the bible yes like that's the best way to interpret the bible absolutely uh, if you don't understand what a symbol means go find that symbol somewhere else in the scriptures because the Bible's pretty consistent with its symbology. Right, and so, we'll get to that in a little bit as well. So if you get to the, uh, a rock, mm-hmm. okay, consistently in the scriptures, when you see a rock being used in a metaphorical way, what's it referring to? It's referring to steadfastness or unmoved, being yeah. unmoved. Or like as Jesus, as right. the rock, right? Yeah, it's so, something to build upon. Right, so so you, const- you constantly uh, will see... The or consistently see these. He's not going to take a symbol that has been used all throughout Scripture for one thing, and all of a sudden it means something else in this verse because right. it doesn't fit your theology. Right? <laughs> no, he's going to be consistent with it, and this also helps in the study of the Revelation. Yeah, because all those symbols are in other places. Right. So it's it's good to be able to go back <laughs> and see what they mean. Yes. So in this passage. Um, I don't know how much time we want to spend on this one. On this one, because Jesus interprets interprets it, interprets. <laughs> I can't even say it. Interprets it pretty clearly. Right. It is a very important kingdom parable, I believe, for the church today. Definitely. Um, because so we'll just we'll fly through it and and talk about each one. So, uh, of course, the one that was sown along the path, um, and the birds came out mm-hmm. and and devoured them. Those are people who. They hear... And who are the birds? The birds are demons, right? The wicked ones. The yeah. wicked Servants ones. of the wicked Servants ones. Servants of the wicked ones. So they're, they're the ones that are removed from the gospel. So they don't even get, they don't even get planted, right? Right. They, their seed that doesn't even... The seed doesn't even take root in their heart. They, they don't grow into a plant or anything. Um, <laughs> so those are, those are ones that they hear the gospel, but nothing happens. Nothing sinks in. Right. Um... The one that falls on the rocky ground and shoots up are one are people that receive the gospel. We watch this all the time. They come into the church and it looks it looks so good, right? They shoot up and they look like they are going to grow and they're going to be this wonderful plant. And they get baptized and they're full of joy and they're they're raising their hands and praising. But as soon as the hard times come. Mm. Uh, that's the sun that scorches them. They right. they die off. You ask yourself, where'd they go? And the answer is, well, they they didn't truly uh, the gospel didn't take root in their heart. 
Yeah. And so even though it appeared that way, it wasn't there. The ones sown among the thorns are a lot like the ones that are sown among the rocky ground. They're one that uh, hears the word, but they're focused on other things in the world, like money and power and sex yeah. and all these other things. And these are weeds that come in and choke the life out of the the uh, the plant. And so it dies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one are the ones sown uh, in the rich soil. Right. Right? And that's the one that yields fruit. So the idea is a true follower, those belonging truly in the kingdom, are the ones that actually, the ones that last are the ones that bear fruit. Right. And that's the picture. So Okay, so um, the, the thing that to remember are things like the thorns, the weeds. Uh-huh. Okay, he tells us what those mean. Right. The birds, he tells us what those mean. Uh-huh. Okay, so the, knowing these symbols are going to be important in trying to figure out the ones that Jesus doesn't explain in great detail. Very good, yeah. Okay, so that's why it's good to let the Bible interpret itself yes. through these things. So uh, I'm going to jump over into the Revelation right quick. Okay. And let's look at the letter to the church of Ephesus, which is uh, Revelation 2, and beginning of verse 1. It says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false, and I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Yet, this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Uh, Okay, so there are things, some of these can correlate with several of the kingdom parables. Right. But this is one of them that it's it's a long letter. Okay, this is a long parable. Mm -hmm. You've also got, um, you've also got a variety of things happening in this letter. Good things, bad things. Mm Mm-hmm. Very much like our parable of the sower. Right. You've got, you know, good hearts. You've got bad hearts. There are some, what they're calling here, false apostles, Nicolaitans. Okay, so these are all... Birds. Birds. (laughs) Weeds. Right. Okay, these, there are are things in here... Sure. ...that correlate. Right. And so this is a picture of, uh, and and though I believe Ephesus is a specific church that they're talking to... Sure. It is also indicative of types of churches. That's or right. What's in how churches look when you open the door? Yeah, you know. Amen. And so, and and so, there are churches that are like this. And I think the majority of churches in America are like this one right now, mm. um, because they they leave their first love, right? Yeah. They allow other things inside the church that you know that that shouldn't be there are different loves that shouldn't mm-hmm. be there, and so they. They neglect bearing fruit because of that, right? Which is pretty interesting. Yeah. So, and and so and but you know, there's those. There is that that strength that still resides there, right? You know, those those good hearts are still that to- that that tilled ground. Yeah, that is going to hold it together. And what does he say there at the end of the of 
of that letter. Remember your first love. Go back to that. Like that, that's where you need to be. And once you get that, once you persevere through all that, then right. everything will work out. Good. Okay, so uh, let's jump down to uh, <clears throat> verse 24 of Matthew 13 because he spent the past 16 verses or whatever explaining the previous parable and dealing with the, the disciples. Right. So, so then we have a kind of a flashback and it goes back to uh, the second kingdom parable, which is the parable of the weeds or the wheat and the tares, depending on your translation. Yes. Uh, so let's look at verse 24 to 30. All right. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds amongst the wheat and went away. What a jerk. So when the plants came up and bore grain, some of the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came out and said to him, Master, you, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in the gathering of the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first, bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Okay. Oof. So, okay, this is the second parable that is explained. Right. Like, he tells us exactly what all these things mean. Uh, there is a slight difference I want to point out. In the, in the first parable, we had seed that fell amongst thorns. So, and this refers to weeds. They are similar, but not necessarily identical. Okay. Okay, so because the, he explains the thorns are the cares of the world. The weeds in this parable are... Non-Christians. Evil people, right? right. Yeah, bad people. But they those things correlate. Like, weeds have thorns. Like, there's... Good, so, yeah. So, I mean, they, they tie together well. Um so, but as he's explaining this, um, basically the, the thought is, uh, I think this is an awesome, awesome message for churches. Um, and that is about how do we deal with problems? Yeah. Like, how do we deal with bad guys in the church? We kick them out. <laughs> we chop that thing down. See, and that's that's part of the thing because like, we're the ones that decide what's the wheat and what's the what's right. the weed, right? Right, right. That's our job as Christians. We're gonna go and we're gonna say, all right, that one right there needs to be uprooted, mm -hmm. but that one over there, that that one, just leave it because that's that's wheat. Obviously, that person's a Christian and that guy's not. Yeah. So yeah, and that's, <laughs> I'm being facetious. That by is the, way. the problem. That is yes. that is what has happened in so many. Oh yeah. We spend so much. We spend so much time with church discipline. Like, we spend more time on church discipline than the Bible spends on it. There there are places for discipline. I mean, don't get me wrong. Sure. We're not going to discount 1 Corinthians 5. We're not going to uh, discount, uh, was it uh, uh, 2 Thessalonians 3? And I mean, we're not going to, we're not going to ditch those passages, but at the same time, you have to really look at the context of right. when those disciplines are happening. People want to bucket all 
problems into those yeah. passages That's and right. misapply the passages. Mm. Here, Jesus himself is saying, look, you can stand the chance of really messing up your congregation if you try to separate the weeds. So, okay, so, so sometimes these weeds are going to be people that just simply don't get it. Right. Right? I mean, and we can't look into people's hearts and no. know that person's a Christian. Yes, that person's here every week, but he really doesn't get it. He's really not a Christian. I mean, we really don't have that ability to do that. We have to treat everyone like, hey, we're all on the same page here. Right, exactly. And, you know, on the other on the other side of that, we may look at a person and go, that person doesn't get it, that, you know, that, that person's not, but they really do get it. They're just not looking like it, you know? Yeah. And, you know, they're... they're Sanctification looks different in different people. It does. It's a, it's a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> that's right. right. That's right. So we can't really judge it, and that's the truth anyways. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, so anyway, he talks about what the, the seed is, is it, and everything, and the sower in, in, this, um, in this passage as well. Um, but the, I think the point of the message is not that, hey, there's going to be good stuff growing with the bad stuff as much as it is about how do we deal with this. Right. Because the question that was asked by the servants was, hey, should we go in and pull all the weeds out of this? And his response was, no. Someone else will do that at the end. Okay? This is going to be an ongoing thing in these kingdom parables, too. Right. So he's basically saying, they will get separated. Not your job. Right. You don't, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> care for it like it's a normal field, and we'll take care of it. Yeah. So if we go to uh, the Revelation again, uh-huh. uh, in chapter 2, beginning verse 8, we have the, the letter to the church at Smyrna. It says, and to the angel of the church of Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Hmm. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison and that you may be tested. And for 10 days, you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death. I will give you a crown of life. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not will not be hurt by the second death. Okay, so uh, there's a little bit of a correlation here. It's not very strong. Okay. But do you see at least oh, a little absolutely. bit? absolutely, yeah. Where it's talking about you're, you've got fake people. Right. In, in your midst. And God's going to separate them out. Right, and he's going to take care of it. All you have to do is be faithful. Exactly. You know, don't deny, be faithful, and live, you know, yeah. till you die. <laughs> yeah, your, your job is to be faithful. Exactly. That's good. Worry about yourself. Worry <laughs> about yourself. Yes. <laughs> okay, so, so far, we've been pretty straightforward. Yeah. But so far, Jesus has explained the parables. Yes. Okay, so um, let's go back to our, our chapter. Okay. And let's jump to... Verse 31 through 33. Or 32, yeah. 30, 31 through 32. Oh, that's right. 31 through 32. Yeah. The mustard seed and leaven. All right. And he put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. 
It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Okay. Huh. What? <laughs> the mustard seed isn't the smallest <laughs> of all the... That that's not true. What is it? The uh, some other. The seed. whole Bible's wrong, isn't it? Yeah. It? Throw yeah. this out. Yeah. All right, we're ending theonauts because the mustard seed's not the smallest. Yeah. Seed. So, <laughs> I lost my sound. Oh, I'm back because you turned it off. Yeah. Okay. So, um, <laughs> okay. So on on in this passage, oh, there's a lot going on in here, and there is a lot that is not true. Oh, yeah. from a physical standpoint. Right. Okay, so with that being said, this whole thing about the mustard seed being the smallest seed is a, such a bogus argument because nothing in this parable is physically true. Right. Like like everything he says in here. One, the grain of mustard seed is not the, the smallest seed. Uh, two, <laughs> mustard seed doesn't a mustard turn plant into a tree. is not a tree. <laughs> and so and, and so there's something else going on here. Okay, so first off, let's let's give the standard um, Matthew Henry commentary on this. Well, the kingdom of heaven is very; it starts out very small, but it's going to grow very large and wonderful, and it's going to house all different types of God's people. All the nice little birds all will have nice a home yes, to live in. It's a great and thing. It's, nom, 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 the tree nom, nom, is wonderful. Nom, nom, nom. Okay, <laughs> so what we've already learned from the first two kingdom parables is that the church is not a bed of roses. No. Like, we got that out of the first two. Every rose has its thorn. <laughs> exactly. Wow, that was awesome. <laughs> like, so, yeah, we got thorns in this thing. Yes. We've got weeds in this thing. Yes. Like, there's problems in the church. Oh, amen. And anyone who wants to take and say all these kingdom parables are a cushy, beautiful picture of the church are not reading the Bible. Wow. I mean, they're, they're skipping over this. Right. To some degree. So... Let's look at the problems with this parable, uh, because I think that Jesus purposefully uses misrepresented physical aspects to give us a picture of how the church will be become will become perverted, right? In ways. Well, okay. So one of the big clues here is that that uh, animal, the bird. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the bird before, and he's already mm-hmm. used the bird in a positive or a negative light? Negative. Yes. All the way. Yeah, it's a negative thing. It's a negative turn. The birds are evildoers or demons. <laughs> yeah. Servants of the wicked ones. Servants of the they're, wicked ones. They're one. not good things. Right. And uh, and so, now that doesn't mean that there's other places where Jesus refers to us as, you know, like sparrows and yes. that sort of thing. But that's not what we're talking about here. Mm-mm. He's in a narrative that he started, and he already explained what birds are in these kingdom parables. Right? Why would we think it's different in in this pa- in this passage? Very good. Um, also, the the very fact that he takes okay, if you look at the mustard plants of the day, the people listening to this parable would have been confused, mm-hmm. obviously, because they were like, "Wait a minute, we <laughs> have mustard plants, right? They're not trees. Like, what do you mean it becomes?" A tree. Um, in fact, it says it's the smallest of seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree. So just by saying that makes this a deformity. Yep. So how, how do we reconcile that? What do you think he's saying 
about the size of the mustard plant. It's grown too big for its britches. Mm-hmm. It's like the uh, it's like the field that has wheat and tares in it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's the kingdom of heaven may look gigantic on earth, but in reality, whenever it's 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 cleared and separated out, it's going to be half as big as it was. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing. Okay, so if we look at history, what actually did happen? Oh man, the church grew and. It, it grew, 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 but then it became the official religion for right. a, a for a nation, an empire, an empire, right? The Roman Empire, and when that happened, man, all this corrupt. You can you can look at a timeline, yeah, and you can see the the point where it became the nation's religion, mm-hmm. and then you can see. Bad, bad mistakes being made in the church all the way through. Yeah. And so it ended up being the Roman Catholic Church. And what ended up in higher places of that, I mean, think of some of the atrocities that happened. Oh, yeah. So we were were dealing with some very wicked individuals. Right. Some serious pope, bad popes. In the branches of this tree. Exactly. And so Jesus is, A, prophesying Mm -hmm. here about the future of the church, and it's not necessarily a good thing. Right. Uh, he's saying it was intended to be this plant that produces mustard. Right. But what you've what, what it's become is a home for wicked ones in this large tree. Yes. And uh, so this is, I mean, I know we're talking out of the box. I mean, I know this is not... This gonna, is not anywhere else. The gen- <laughs> this is not the general interpretation right. of this passage. But I think that we've always looked at it with through rose-colored glasses mm-hmm. instead of, of looking at what Jesus well, was trying we've to teach. Well, l- we've looked at it in our own cultural glasses, I think, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And so if we really took a stripped-down understanding of this and looked at it in its context, thinking of the birds... Yeah. And, uh, and every one of these parables has problems with the church. Yeah, like uh, there's an issue brought out in each one of them, and I think that it's I think it's important that Jesus is teaching not only hey everything's going to be rosy and nice. What he's saying is, look, there's going to be problems, and he's this is a this is consistent with Jesus's message anyway, is right. it not? I mean, you will be hated for my sake. Uh, he even tells the Pharisees, you will kill the ones I send to you. Mm. So. He's constantly doing this. He's constantly saying, "Look, right. this things are going to get bad, and even the church is going to become corrupted in 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 these in this way." So, if we look to uh, the Revelation again, and we go to the church at Pergamum, which is in uh, verse twelve of chapter two, it says, uh, "And to the angel of the church at Pergamum, write the words of him who has the sharp two edged sword. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is." Yet you hold fast my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. So you also have some who hold the teachings of the Nicolaitans, Therefore, repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Okay, so uh, 
I definitely see this parable in this passage to Pergamum. Right. False prophets nesting in the tree. And that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. If you look at the if you look at the Roman Catholic Church in the early days, yeah. Um, with the with the early per- popes, they were they were definitely after sex, mm-hmm. money, and power. Mm-hmm. Those were their things. The Balaam things. They were Balaam. Yeah. Yeah. And and if we look to also uh, some of this stuff that's in here, uh, there's there's mention of idolatry. There's yes. there's all kinds of stuff that that is happening in here. Uh, the Nicolaitan. We talked about this on the Balaam episode. Nicolaity is what this is like a transliterated word. It's not really a name of of, of a people, and it means uh, Nico means to lord over. And laetans are the laity, the people. The people. Yeah. So what exactly happened? They were lording over the people. Yes, they took their Bibles away from them and basically said, we'll tell you how church is supposed to work. Right. So um, this is this is the, the mustard plant turning into a tree. Tree, yep. Um, so anyway, Oof. interesting stuff. All right. Uh, the next kingdom parable is a lot like it, actually. One verse. Uh, verse 33, he told them another parable. And it's funny, these are just right there together. Yeah, because they're very similar. Exactly. He told another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Okay, couple things. So the the Matthew Henry or the any other basic <laughs> we're beating up Matthew Henry. Yeah, I'm sorry, but the basic we'll understanding say of this for a while. All right, the Barnes <laughs> translation of this. Oh, it's a positive thing, you know. It's 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 small and then it grows into you know this full it takes thing over the world. that takes over the world. It's you know it's hid three measures of flower tools all eleven. So uh, that's the basic, but. Here's here's a huge clue to this that I don't know how in the world we miss out. Leaven in Scripture is never, except for in this verse that people say, mm-hmm. this verse, everywhere else, leaven is used as a negative term. In fact, that is correct. leaven to the Jewish man is a symbol all the way back in the Old Testament through their feasts and everything, leaven is a symbol of sin. Right. Yes. I mean, the Passover, all of that, it, it centers around this, this, this fact. Right. So, once again, the Bible is consistent in its symbology. Yes. It's not going to take something that it's used for sin all over the place, and then all of a sudden Jesus is going to turn it on its ear. Like, it, this, this makes no sense. Right. This is the worst one for me. That the commentaries just blow it like completely. <laughs> this this parable when you when you look at the source of the of the objects in this parable, huh? It becomes quite clear as to what he's what he's saying. Okay, so first off, he just doesn't say it's like a woman who put leaven in meal. It specifically says three measures, measures. of meal. Yeah. Why would it tell us that? Hmm. Well, why would the Holy Spirit give us that specific number? Well, I'll tell you why. It's cultural. And, the, and the, his audience would not have had to research this. Like, they would have known exactly what he's saying huh. because it's cultural. If we go back to Genesis, the 18th chapter, you have Abraham, okay, father of the nation, right? You got Abraham 
about to have this covenantal discussion with three guys. Arguably, one of them is part of the Holy Trinity. But, okay. you know, some, which sometimes we just refer to them as angels. Sure. Okay, so these three guys show up, and he recognizes them, and actually even begins to worship them. He knows that this is God right. coming to him. And I want to, to read just one verse here that he says to Sarah. He says in, in verse 6 of chapter 18, And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, Quick, three seas of fine flour, knead it, and make cakes. Okay, so because he built a, a, um, a knead of flour or uh, of grain for each one of these visitors, this got referred to in their culture as the fellowship offering. So when people would come to your house and you would accept them the way he's accepting these messengers into his home, you would make you would make three measures, three measures of meal, of meal yeah. as a symbol right. of you and I are in fellowship. Like th- we are pals. We're we are in the same mindset. Koinonia. Okay. So this 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 three measures of meal is important. So it says it's like assume that Sarah, let's go back to that story. What would Abraham have done if Sarah had put leaven in those three measures of meal? Oh, man. Like, I'm about to serve God. Yeah. And, and welcome him into our home and give him this offering of love from us, and you're putting sin in it? What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, he would have totally lost it. Right. And so... When I read this one verse, I mean, this is one verse, I can hear Jesus' audience vocally gasp. Like they would have, they would have, (gasps) I mean, you don't put leaven in the fellowship offering. Well, and what happens whenever you put leaven in a loaf? It leavens the whole lump. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. So imagine sitting there and you have a piece of a piece of bread mm-hmm. and trying to separate the leaven mm-hmm. out of the bread <laughs> can can't do you it. do it no you can't but can god do it yeah yeah but the, but in, and i that's a great point that you know once again it goes back to the whole let god divide all this stuff exactly up. but it's also telling into our expectations yes. of what the church is going to be which yeah okay so there will be sin in the church. That's right. Okay, and that's what this is saying. That's what Jesus is preaching here. He was like, look, the kingdom is going to be like leaven in a fellowship. This is holy. Yeah. This is something that was meant to be a, uh, a an offering of fellowship. Right. And there will be sin in it. Amen. And so that is like, even though it was appalling. It's shocking. And it's, it's still appalling. Right. But it's the truth. Mm. And that's exactly what Jesus is trying to do mm. in all these. So um, if we jump over to, let's go back to Revelation again. I lost my place. Um, Thyatira. <clears throat> yes, we're dealing with Thyatira. And it says here in verse 18, To the angel of the church at Thyatira write, The words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze, I know your works, your love and faith 
and service and patient endurance that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. But to the rest of you at Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and the one who keeps my works until the end to him I will give authority over all the nations and he will rule over them with a rod of iron and when earthen pots are broken into pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my father, I will give him the morning star. Mm. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Okay, so the big thing that, that, that caught my eye in this is the very first word of that verse of the kingdom parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a woman who put leaven into three measures of meal. Ooh. And we jump over here to... And it's Jezebel. And it's Jezebel <laughs> in Thyatira that we're talking about. And so if, we, if you know your Old Testament, Jezebel was queen of northern Israel, right. a very evil queen. And, uh, and so she's being used as a representation here right. of... Um, of Sexual uh, immorality, uh, being a prophetess, yes, um, this sort of stuff, and idolatry. Now, all those things are sinful, and he's saying, "What did he say to this church at first? He's, he's like, I know your works. You you have love, you have faith, you have service, you have patient endurance. Three measures of meal. You, you're you've got fellowship. You've got you've got what you're supposed to have, but." You also have Jezebel right. in there, and she's causing problems, and I'm having a hard time separating that out. So I'm going to put her in this sick bed and <laughs> let it draw the, the evil out, right, mm. so that he can identify them. So to me, it's very similar in nature to this parable. And to, to simply say, yeah, leaven spreads all over the place, and so this is the love of Christ spreading all over. No, I'm, I'm sorry. This is, <laughs> this parable is... This is about sin. It's about sin being in the church. Amen. All right, so the next one's uh, the uh, 40, uh, verse 44. Yeah. This is my favorite kingdom parable. The it's hidden It's so simple, yeah. But I always use it whenever I talk about the rich young ruler, because it's a perfect juxtaposition there. Yeah. Well, these next two. All right, so verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. I love that one. Yeah, so this is... Straightforward. This is pretty good. In a lot of ways. Um, Yeah, so it's like selling everything you have Mm -hmm. to get the thing that's worth more than everything you have. Yep, and and there's a lot of, of good stuff in this. Uh-huh. Um, I think there is a really cool thing in the fact that this is not just a treasure; it is a hidden treasure. It is a buried treasure. Okay. Uh, so I mean, so it's like 
it needs to be uncovered. Yes. So it's not just that it's a good thing. It's a good thing that needs to be revealed. It's a good thing that needs to be brought out. And obviously he is going and selling everything he has to get it. Why? So he can expose it so that he can bring it out, draw it out. So um, if we jump over to the revelation, we have uh, the church at Sardis. And uh, so Sardis is in a little better shape than uh, the, uh, some of these others that we've been looking at, but there's still a little issues there. So if we look at, at uh, chapter 3, verse 1 of Revelation, it says, "Unto the angel of the church of Sardis write, The words of him was the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember, then, what you have received and heard, keep it and repent, and if you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come against you. Yet, you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments. <laughs> you see, yeah, you know what I'm You getting. see where I'm going on this list. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> So uh, it says, I will confess his name before the Father and before his angel, and he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All right. Which I always love the way that... Yes. Listen, we're talking about kingdom here. Listen to what I have to say to you, to your kingdoms. So so anyway, where do you think I'm going (laughs) on this? All right. uh, So it's hidden. It needs to be uncovered. So the idea is this church is dormant. It's been dead. Right, it's mm-hmm. it's in the hiding, and it needs to be. It's good stuff, right? Like he's like he says, man. I know your works. You have a reputation. Yeah, you, there's some good stuff in here, but it needs to be revived. It needs to be revealed. Yes, yeah. And so that you know, that's that's pretty cool. I mean, I can see that correlation. It can fit. Yeah, that's and it, and I'm not saying anything against you know the original interpretation of that yeah. passage because I think it's valid because right. the church is a valuable thing that is worth everything that, that you could possibly sell right. to obtain it. And I think that Jesus was definitely saying that. Um, but I also think it's cool here that that we have imagery of being buried. Like like he even says here, he's like, um, uh, where was it? He was like, um, if you will not wake up, like, like, you're, like you're buried, like you're dead and buried, and you need to like come up out of the grave... It's like, you know, unburying this treasure, like right. digging it up. You ha- right. you need to get it up out of the ground. And so I just thought that was a really cool what good is a, imagery. What good is a treasure that just, what if the guy bought the field and came back and just and didn't do anything? Didn't do anything with the field. It wouldn't have served him any purpose whatsoever. Exactly. It was only valuable once he got it out of the ground. Dug it up. All right. Okay, verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, Mm -hmm. who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Something that interests me about this one is that it's a pearl. It's not um, fine gold or fine jewelry, Mm -hmm. but it's a pearl. Um, I think that has a lot of symbolism. One of the things that I like is that it's perfect. It's made... Perfect. In other words, a jeweler, when he gets it, he doesn't have to refine it. Does that make sense? Exactly. He doesn't have to cut it. Right. It's perfect the way it is. And I like that that idea. That's a church. Um, So you're gonna you're gonna everybody wants to be the church (laughs) in Philadelphia. Oh yeah, Yeah. dude. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna go there. Right. Uh, Because 
the and it's not that there was nothing wrong with the Church of Philadelphia. There's nothing said bad about it. Right. And in this parable, we're talking about the pearl of great value. So, first off, before we get to that correlation, though, I want to pick just pick this apart from the Jewish perspective. Like, okay, pearls are not kosher. Oh, okay, so they're produced. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cur- pearls are produced by clams. Shellfish, man. So there's a Gentile type of thing <laughs> in here. That's clever. That's, that's happening. Um, but but also, um, it, it I find it interesting how pearls are made. Like they're they're an organic thing. It's not like uh, like a diamond or gold, which is an ore. Or right, a piece of coal. It, it, uh, we're di- we're digging or dealing with something that is actually produced by a living thing. Right, like this is, and all it is is a piece of sand, right? That 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 rolls over in this organic animal for so long that it builds and it grows, and it. Um, it's a source of irritation if you think about it. Right. It's like having some, something stuck under your tongue. And I mean, it's just like this thing that's not supposed to be there, right? Sure. Until it comes out once again and you, and you take it out and it's got value in it. And if we look at the church, uh, think about it. It grows through irritation of its host. Okay. Like, like it's pain, it's painful to, the, gr- to the world. Right. It's painful to the world. And it's also uh, painful to those of us, Within the church, it's it's, yeah. it's always grow growing issues. You have to go through stuff huh. to to get into a, a, a place where you are a pearl of great price, where you become something that is. Uh, just think about like, uh, and, I, and I don't want to like cast. Everyone wants to put their church as the Church of Philadelphia, and so I don't want to do that with the way. But think do, about the way. I mean, but I do want to say, <laughs> but I do want to say that we were born out of. Growing pains. out of growing pains, so th- so this this is very va- valid to me and like a very personal Let's in a way it. because there there was it, it came from a a source an organic source of irritation right and that sort of thing much like a pearl would um, and just as a good church grows by keeping itself known to the world that it dwells in so the the clam always or the oyster always knows right that pearl's there. It is no at no point does it not know it's there. Like it's, <laughs> it's it's it is it is something that is well known because of its existence, um, and so w- once again, there's this merchant involved, uh, just like the guy who bought the field, mm-hmm. and uh, this merchant. If the merchant is us, and because it's not nailed down here exactly, Jesus didn't give us all the symbols in this. But if the merchant is us then we must be willing to forsake everything for it. If the merchant is Christ, then we need to understand that he forsook everything yes. for it. Yes. And uh, so there's a whole lot going on there. So obviously we're going to jump over and look at the Church of Philadelphia right quick. Yep. Uh, in chapter 3, verse 14, it says into the church... Oh, sorry, that's Laodicea. Back. Uh, verse 7. And to the angel of the Church of Philadelphia write... The words are the Holy One, the True One, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I think that's kind of cool if we're talking about oysters. <laughs> I don't know. So I know, <laughs> I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door 
which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you because you have kept my word about patient endurance, and I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming onto the whole world to try those who dwell in the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. And the one who, will, who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Mm. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of, the God, of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from heaven, or from God, my God out of heaven, and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So, once again... Nothing negative. Nothing negative there. That's awesome. All right. Okay, so last kingdom parable. Yes. Verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and set down and sorted the good it contained into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, so seems pretty straightforward. What do you think on this one? I mean, to me, it is straightforward, but the thing that you got to understand is, again, this is a net that's drawing in fish of every kind, mm-hmm. okay? So who are you, being a fish, to judge another fish? Right. Right? Right. Don't judge the other fish. Let that be for the people who are drawing us in. (laughs) Right? Yeah, yeah. And when we're drawn in, then they'll separate the evil from the righteous. Yeah. The point, the the moral of this one is, I think, again, this is God's work. Mm -hmm. God's going to do the work, and we're pretty much all fish in a net. (laughs) That's right. <laughs> and I and I think that I do think that the the application of this one is very very simple. Yes. Uh, compared to some of these others, I, and I do think that it's very similar to the wheat and the tares. Um, sure. But the, there is some cool stuff about this parable that I want to play with. Now I'm going to go. Okay. Okay. So I'm I'm going to go out on a limb here. Of I'm course you are. That I'm not necessarily I'm not necessarily saying this is it. <laughs> All I'm saying is, this is it. I like to, I, I like I like to piece puzzles together. Okay, like, like that's my my my, my gig. Right? Yeah, you're like that Russell, Russell Crowe movie, seeing things that aren't there. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm just messing yeah, with it. it may be that, that can, <laughs> maybe completely true. If so, I'll stand correct. No, keep going. Okay, it's good. So I like it. it's um, fun. here's the thing that I like is. Every time I read a number or every time I see a, a name or a place or whatever that almost seems arbitrary, I have to think, wait a minute. God's not arbitrary. Like, there's something about this that is that he's trying to at least put a nugget in there. Like, it could be something that, and I might be digging in the wrong hole. I don't know. Okay. But, there's, but there are nuggets around this that I find really cool. And so uh, at one point when I was looking at this parable, I'm trying to figure out what makes this different from the 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 weakness here. Yeah. Why why are we given this same message twice? And we're dealing with fish, and we're dealing with a net. So my ideas was okay. Let's go look for those symbols. There's a place where it shows up, not necessarily symbolically, 
but the Holy Spirit chose to give us a lot of information about this. Um, a couple of places, our apostles are fishermen, fishermen. right? Mm-hmm. And Jesus shows up, and he's always like, hey, you catch anything? No, we haven't caught anything all night. Toss hey, your net to the toss your side. net on the side over here, and he'll pull in a bunch of fish. And it always pulls in so many that they can't deal with it. Right. And so when Jesus is resurrected in John 21, this happens again. And that's right, how they know, hey, he's been resurrected. Okay, so in John 21, I find it interesting. Um, so after this happened, uh, it was like, okay, toss your net on the left side of the boat. And all of a sudden, I couldn't bring it in. And Peter jumps off and says, ah, I got to get to Jesus. Right. And <laughs> so, paraphrase. Go ahead. Yeah. So anyway, uh, <laughs> chapter 10, or verse 10, John 21, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. And so Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Mm. Okay, that's a lot of information for okay. Jesus just basically saying, hey, I want some fish. Okay. Um, so I got to thinking about this. Numbers. Why is it telling us there's 153 fish here? We're dealing with nets. We're dealing with fish. Kingdom parable. I'm thinking, okay, 153. So I start looking for the, the scriptures for 153. Where can we find 153 in other places? Um, very... Hard to find. Like there's, like you won't find 153 spelled out like this uh, in the scriptures. But there's a very interesting thing that happens in. Uh, let's see, I wrote it down here. Second Kings, the first chapter. Okay, so you've got Israel, northern Israel, which is just totally off the rocker at this point. Elijah is trying to minister unto them, and the king of Israel is like, "Go kill that prophet." Right, mm-hmm. and so what does he do? He sends out fifty armed men. Oh and, yeah, that's right. And one captain. Yeah. To go take out Elijah. The guys get halfway there. Elijah's like, God, fire falls down from heaven, consumes them all, burns them. Okay. So does it again? The king goes, all right, fine. Next fifty, I need you to go. Sends right. out fifty plus one. The captain and his fifty. They go out. They get halfway there, and. Elijah's like, all right, God, you know, give it to him. Fire comes down from heaven, wipes him out. Okay. So the king, being apparently pretty either ignorant or stubborn or both, (laughs) says, okay, 50 more guys. (laughs) So he's just not learning the lesson. He sends out 50 more guys, but the captain runs ahead. That's right. And runs to Elijah. He's like, look, look, look. Don't, 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 don't do it. Just doing my job. Yeah. Like... (laughs) Like he tells them, please spare us. We we don't have anything against you. We're just obeying the king. The king. And so out of mercy and out of grace, Elijah spares the third group. Now, okay, we've dealt so we got 51, 51, and 51. You add all three of those together, you get 153. It's the only other place in Scripture I could find 153. Okay. Okay, so what is the correlation here? A third a third will be saved. <laughs> That's the best thing I can come up with. <laughs> so I'm just saying that it may not mean that. I mean, I at can... At all. But the churches... What have we been reading in these kingdom parables so far? That the churches are full of evil. The right. churches are are overblown, they're bigger than they need to be, and Jesus actually used to do this. He would pare down his group 
right? Yeah. All these people following him. He's like, hey, drink my blood and you can follow me. And then they go, what? <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. And and so, I mean, he would like, he would do this. Like, right. He would find the true believers. He would find the ones that were like all in. And, you know, I don't know what the numbers consistently were, but they're probably, you know, narrow is the gate. That leads few there are that find it. few there are that find it. So it would not surprise me if about a third of the people that call themselves Christians, in fact, it's probably less than that, I would guess. But anyway, I think that this is at least showing us that a small percentage of the fish in that net are going to be the Saved. the the fish that are are kept, and and so I may be completely on left field <laughs> and reaching, but that's fine. I, I mean, it's cool to reach. I, I have fun okay, doing it. So what you what you've but the but the principle is still true, and I hold fast because of other scripture. Yeah, that there are very few that will be saved in the end. Yes, and it's because they're not corrupt. Right. Right. So, and it's also not the fish. Kicking other fish out of the net. Exactly. That's to me. That's the biggest and that's, thing, and that is the the major point. Yeah, of the whole thing. So okay. So the last thing, um, Church La- of Laodicea. Laodicea. Nobody wants to be that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So it's the last um, kingdom or the last letter to the churches. How oh, doggone it! Hang on a second. I just went crazy and went to Revelation fourteen, which I'm sure there's some good stuff there. But not what I'm looking for. Okay, so um, Church of Laodicea, verse 14 of chapter 3 of the Revelation. To the angel of the church of Laodicea, right, Laodicea, the words of the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of God's creation, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say I am rich and I have prospered and I need nothing and realize that you are and and not realizing that you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, naked. Mm. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and shame your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I have conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Who has an ear? Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So it sounds like there's good fish and bad fish Mm -hmm. in the same net. Hot and cold. And you're hot and cold. You're lukewarm. Mm -hmm. Maybe one or the other. Yep, and I no- I notice uh, one of the things I find interesting here is why is Jesus on the outside of this church? Mm. You notice that mm. v- verse twenty. Behold, I stand at the door and, and knock. knock. Wow. See, a lot of people take that as a personal thing. He's not talking to you. He's talking to this. Ch- and this isn't a salvation message either. I love. You know, I right. don't love. I've. I've Heard this scripture taken out of context so much where, where mm-hmm. the pastor at the end of his sermon is like, Who at the door exactly. is standing. He's knocking at the door of your heart right now. <laughs> Are you gonna let him in? No, this is a this is a church that's kicked God out of it. Yeah. And he's standing there going, Hey, hey, you kicked me out. Yeah. Let me back in. Yeah. Right? So and, and so that's very interesting. I I I 
and not that that ties in necessarily to the uh, kingdom parable of the fish, but um, but I just think it's interesting that it that Jesus is not inside with the people trying mm-hmm. to to fix this. He's on the outside, that's right, saying, "Hey, let me back in." It's <laughs> pretty crazy. So. Anyway, uh, I do see you know the whole mix of things going on right. in this parable. So, and like I said, these these letters don't map identically to the parables. I just think there's a lot of correlations. It was fun to to kind of do that to draw that correlation. Pretty so. neat. All right, all right. You got some news, man. I do. Let's do it. And now the news. Well, there's a new survey out that says white evangelicals are most likely to forgive politicians' immorality. Mm. New study has shown that the majority of white evangelicals believe that a politician who acts immoral- immorally in his or her private life is still able to conduct him or herself uh, eth- uh, ethically in his or her public life. The results of this survey conducted by the Public Religious Research Institute, are especially interesting considering the same survey was conducted six years ago with very different results. The survey asked responders if an elected official who commits an immoral act in their personal life can still behave ethically and fulfill their duties in the public and professional life. When the survey was conducted in 2011, only 30% of white evangelicals said that a politician who acted immorally could be still be a good public leader. Last year, however, in 2016, the same survey found that that percentage of white evangelicals jumped all the way to 72%. Hmm. I wonder if the difference is the politician. Because I'm pretty sure that in 2011, they were probably thinking back to Clinton. Think about that for a second. Well, maybe. Who is, who's a Democrat, mm-hmm. right? And a politician who conducted himself unethically in his private life. Well, and we called for his impeachment. But in 2011... You're into Obama's... Yeah, but the last politician they're thinking of that conducted themselves immorally in their private life... Gotcha, gotcha. ...is going to be Clinton, mm-hmm. and he's a Democrat, right? Gotcha. Not only that, but who's, who is on the throne? Obama, right? <laughs> and he's a Democrat, so they're obviously going to say, yeah, if he's bad, we, we should kick him out, and they're looking for anything immoral. But then in 2016, who's running for president? <laughs> Right, yeah, Donald Trump, and who has a picture of? Uh, did you see that picture of him with the president of Liberty University on and on his wall in the background is hanging? No, a magazine. It's a Playboy magazine with his face on the cover. Really? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that nuts? I just think it's funny. Anyways, so uh, and then it jumps up to seventy percent. They're like, oh, he may be. A, unethical in his private life yeah but in his public he can he can that's a good point i think it's very interesting Mm -hmm. to me to me it is and i'm not i'm not naysaying president trump or anything i'm just saying that it's very interesting how we can flip-flop because of our ideological views Right. right and uh and you know politics how many churches does america have more than expected Surprisingly, uh, according to a recent 
Uh, Mustard plants worth, huh? That's right. According to a recent paper published by uh, sociologist Simon Brewer in the Journal for the Scientific Study of Religion, the number of religious congregations in the United States has increased by almost 50,000 since 1998. A key reason, growth in non-denominational churches. Mm. Um, so from 2006 to 2012, he estimated the number of congregations in the U.S. increased from 336,000 in 98 to its peak of 414,000 in 2006, but then leveled off at 384,000 in 2012. Uh, then a lot died out, people were thinking. The loss of 30,000 churches, um, and then it just steadily grew. So now we're, again, up. Uh, and I, I missed that final number. It's close to around five hundred thousand. It's between no, it's it's like right at a hundred thousand churches in America. Wow. So one hundred and thirteen to one hundred and twenty thousand congregations in the United States of America. And uh, I was watching Francis Chan do a thing on James because I'm teaching through James. Yeah. And he said, "I find it sad that there are a hundred thousand churches and fifty thousand orphans." <laughs> In America, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, that's a damaging, mm-hmm. damaging thing. Okay, ten upcoming TV shows that Christians should take notice of. The first one is a well, show. I'm here to tell you that each and every time you spoon into a bowl of Lucky Charms, you might as well be partaking of <laughs> Lucifer's sacrament. So let's spoon into some Lucky Charms and talk about. <laughs> Uh, television by the book is going to be coming out in uh, on C- on the CBS network. It's uh, based on a best-selling book, "The Year of Living Biblically" by AJ Jacobs. Uh, it's going to feature a man who, and we've talked about this before, is going mm. to live based off of what the Bible says, the rules the Bible gives, yeah. especially not just the ten. Commandments, but those small rules, uh, and so he's going to try to live exactly like the Bible tells us to do. It's supposed to be full of laughs, uh, pretty interesting, and it might open up some biblical, you know, conversation. Another really good movie or show ABC's putting this together. It's called Splitting Up Together. It's about a husband and a wife who have three kids, and they're filing for divorce. But during that whole process, they realize that they still love each other, and so they're going to work together to put back their marriage and and how that process goes. That's cool. Yeah, so that'd be a pretty interesting one to check out. Another one by ABC, Kevin Probably Saves the World, which I think your son is going to level up. <laughs> Uh, basically, uh, this guy, this um, self-centered millennial, uh, Kevin, is uh, walking around and he uh, gets a, a visit from a messenger from God who tells him that every, every uh, basically, generation, there is a person that God chooses to save the world. Oh, wow. And Kevin has been the one chosen, <laughs> and so it's going to be this... Crazy ethereal <laughs> story about that. Wow! Uh, a movie by the Cro- uh, called "The Crossing" by ABC is about these uh, immigrants who come over 
uh, from a war torn country, but they realize that it's they're immigrants from the future, 150 years in the future, and they're American immigrants from war torn America going back in time. <laughs> Another one, uh, this one I've I've loved, The Good Place. Have you watched The Good Place? Uh-uh. All right, season one is on Netflix. No, it's on Hulu. It is hilarious. Basically, this chick. The first scene is she's sitting in this office, and she doesn't know how she got that way. Mm-hmm. Come to find out, she died. And um, <laughs> and so she finds out that she's made it to heaven, right? Basically, only like less than 5% of the world's population makes it to heaven. But she knows that it's it's a case of mistaken identity. <laughs> That she has lived this absolutely horrible life, been like the worst person ever. It shows right. flashbacks of how she lived and all this stuff. And uh, but the angels made a mistake and let her into heaven. So, but once she's in heaven, all this bad stuff starts happening to this heaven that she's a part of, this community, like pits to the abyss open up. Oh wow! Like it starts raining cats and dogs. What, what's this called? It's called the Good Place. And so she's trying to figure out exactly how she can con everybody into staying there, but it's her fault that all this bad stuff's happening because it's just bad karma or whatever. Right, right. But there's a twist at the end of the first season that blows everybody away, and you've just... You're going to watch the first episode and start binge-watching it, so I'm warning you right now. But the second season's coming out, and I can't wait for that one. Cool. Story, uh, let's see... Um, Let's jump ahead to the the ones. Okay, so a show called The End is Near. Uh, it's about the Antichrist uh, coming to the end times, but these two reformed demons, uh, they, they've come to like humanity, and so they're going to thwart the Antichrist's uh, goals. And wow. so, yeah, Jesus Christ Superstar is coming to NBC. What? They're remaking it. Uh, the musical series? No, it's gonna just oh. be a kind of like they remade the sound of music. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna remake Jesus Christ Superstar. So uh, get ready for that one. So it'll be live. Yeah, a live, live Jesus Christ Superstar. And then the last one, um, Thirteen Reasons Why season two, which I wasn't a big uh, fan of. Thirteen Reasons Why. Yeah, but it's about suicide. Right. So something to watch out. Okay, the world is gonna end on September twenty third. Oh, yeah, I was expecting that. So mark your calendars. That's whenever they turn on the super collider? Yeah. yeah. No, I don't know. Is that? I don't know. Se- September 23rd, every year, is the dead it's deadline. Really? Yeah, it was last year, too. <laughs> you know, what if it's September 24th? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> we made it past. <laughs> all of a sudden, black hole opens gotcha. up. Gotcha! Sucks us all into it. <laughs> all right, so there's a lot of hyper-literalist that are taking Revelation 12 seriously. Um, Specifically, they're looking for the signs in the sky. Mercury, Venus, Mars, and Jupiter will be around the the constellations of Virgo and Leo together with the sun and moon. Obvious. Yeah, they're taking that to mean a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, crown of 12 stars on her head, pregnant, cried out in pain, the dragon comes. that's not Israel at all. Yeah, that has nothing to do with Israel. (laughs) So there's actually a uh, there's a documentary you can go watch. Oh, good. Called uh, the Sign. So if you want to mm-hmm. go watch that, it's on Netflix. Yeah. But uh, so, anyways, I think you I'll, know, I think I'll go watch the Good Place. Yeah, go and uh, max out a credit card for a couple of days, and <laughs> you're good. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it was. Uh, 
Yeah, that whole September 23rd thing was like, that's uh, last, it was two years ago. They were going to turn CERN on you know, right. at, on that day. And everybody's like, that's the end of the world. world. All right, that's all I got for you. That's it? Yeah, that's it. No Pope news or no anything Pope crazy news. like that? No, I had some today in church history, but I lost it, and it wasn't a big deal. It was just a bunch, bunch of Anab- Anabaptists that got massacred in New York. Who oh, cares? No or big, Florida. No, no big, big deal. deal. <laughs> <laughs> or Huguenots. Was it Huguenots? It was Huguenots, sorry. Oh, Frabjus Day. Karoo <laughs> <laughs> They went snickersnack. Yeah, okay, so are you ready to roll out? Yeah, let's get out of here. Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network. That we are. We use social media to go in all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. That's called the internet. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, stay up to date with all our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema and the Secret Fire Podcast. Visit our website at theonautspodcast.com for show notes and outlines. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. And be sure to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience. There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com or call us on our little-used voicemail line these days. Yeah, call it. 972-885-7270. Tweedly deedly to us on Twitter using tw- uh, at Theonautical. <laughs> like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. Frabjus Day. <laughs> if you like us and want even more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash Theonauts. Your patronage helps us in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. And don't forget to tune in and explore the vast reaches of God's Word with us. All right, Jeremiah, thanks for being here, brother. Thank you, David Getty. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission Transmission at GCTNetwork.com. This is your Great Commission Transmission. They're possibly cloning an army of giant Al-Qaeda guys.